Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life today. I'm so thankful you're here. This is the third part of our summer series, Summer Vibes. Did anybody get rained on this morning? Did y'all, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that incredible? Be honest, how many of you wanted to pull the covers back over? And just, Some of y'all are the normal 8.30 crowd, and you did that. But you're here now, so it doesn't matter. You're good. And I'm so thrilled to be here. Can I just tell you a little bit about what's been going on my summer? Maybe your summer has been similar to mine. Uh, we just got back from a summer camp. We took a group of high schoolers down to Biola University and uh, CIY. There was 1,400 teenagers down there, and they packed us all into a gymnasium. And uh, boy, I tell you, there's nothing quite like hearing 1,400 teenagers sing praises to Jesus. It was awesome. There's nothing quite like the smell, too. Um, but uh, we had just an incredible time down there. It was, it was just fantastic. A highlight was the worship for our team and the teaching of God's word. And then there was one moment when, when all of the instrumentalists, everything just faded out, and they led us in the uh, worship anthem of the church through the ages, Amazing Grace. And boy, I tell you, to hear 1,400 high schoolers lift up their voices in the old John Newton song of amazing grace. It'll, it'll encourage you. It'll challenge you. So I'm, I'm ready to preach this morning. I'm, I'm here. I'm a little tired, but I got plenty of the Holy Spirit and a little bit of Red Bull. So uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. And uh, I want to say thank you so much for being here. That was our last week. The week before, two weeks before, we ran a fireworks booth and we do that. 100% of our proceeds go towards paying summer camp costs. Many of you came out and support our group. And I just want to say thank you for that. Um, that was incredible. The week before that, our Hillside Young Adult Group served on the plaza. How many of you have served on the plaza out there and uh, just been a part of that? Can we just say thank you to the entire team that has put that together? And um, he would never say this. Um, but that is all um, one of our uh, pastors, Pastor Jason. He leads our church so well uh, by just serving and, and by just being faithful. And so wherever he's at, wherever he's serving right now or on his way to serve somewhere else, um, thank you, Pastor Jason, for your leadership. And then not this week, but next week, uh, we take another group of about 60 students up to um, Cold Springs, California um, for our second summer camp. Um, so we're going to load the charter bus up, head up there, and I'm thrilled. I'm excited about it. It's been a busy summer, but I, that's okay because um, once that is over, I'm retiring. Um, so it'll be good, and I'll get some sleep then. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love what I do. I'm thankful to serve our church. Can I let you in on a secret? Is that okay? Will you not tell anybody? Yeah, everyone's going to tell someone. Okay, now, I miss our pastor, Pastor Josh. How many of you miss Pastor Josh? And we can just celebrate that, right? I miss Pastor Josh. I am so thankful. He's been gone for a few weeks now. Here's the secret, ready? He's back in two weeks. Two weeks, he's back. And so I'm ready. I can't wait. We love our pastor. We love his teaching. But I, I, I don't want to overemphasize his return and miss out on the gift that you as a church have been able to give our pastor to give him a time of rest, a time of Sabbath, the, the biblical and the ancient discipline of rest and Sabbath. Um, I know is seeds that we're planting that we will reap the fruit from, from not just over the next 
several months and years, but really over the next decade. And thank you for being a church that gives back and allows our pastor time to go deep in God's word and deep in relationship with his family. So thank you for that. I'm thrilled, I'm excited to have him back. So we are in the third part of our sermon series. And in case you didn't notice, uh, this morning we're down to one screen. And the reason for that is I wanna see who brought their Bible. We're challenging this side of the room today. You have to have brought a Bible. Next week it'll be this side of the room. So if you don't have one, just switch sides. And then we're getting rid of it completely and we're just gonna preach, no, I'm just kidding. We're just down, technical issues down on that. So I wanna address the uh, elephant in the room there. Um, we'll get that fixed uh, up and going th this upcoming week. But I'm thrilled to be with you. Part three of our Summer Vibe series is called Serve Both. Serve Both. So far this summer, we have been learning deep theological truths, systematic theology is what we've called it. We've been diving in on the Word of God and learning how everything about our existence and everything about our faith in Jesus starts with the love of God. It's not we that have loved him, but God has loved us. And then John goes on to say, God is love. It's more than what he does, it's who he is. So we've learned this incredible deep truth, God is love. And then we took love God and we went to our second part of the series, love others. And we've said, if it's true that God is love, he is inviting us on a journey to become love with him. It should be more than what we do, it should be who we are, people of love. And now we're taking this third part and we're saying, if it's true that God is love, and if it's true that God calls us to become love, then what does that look like practically lived out? I like how one old preacher, pastor said it. He said this as he was praying over his congregation. He said, Lord, today, give us some shoe leather Christianity, something we can walk in, something we can practically apply. So these next couple of weeks, what we're gonna be doing is saying, okay, we've got the doctrinal truths. We've got the big truths in our life. What does it look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those we come in contact with? How can we practically live that out? Peter puts it this way as he begins a sermon that's recorded in Acts. So Jesus has come, Jesus has trained his disciples. Now the church is starting and Peter is preaching to people. And Peter says this, he said, the word which God has sent, Acts 10, 36, to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know. He says, you've learned the big truth, you've learned the doctrine, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then watch how he says, this is what the model of ministry that Jesus gave us is. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That's who Jesus was. In his book, The Greatest Thing in the World, Henry Drummond writes that it's hard for us to conceptualize just how much Jesus did how much good he did. There's one place in the gospels where it says, if all the acts of Jesus were recorded, we would not able, the, the heavens would not be able to contain it, right? The earth would be not able to contain the scroll that was written. Jesus went about doing good that was his nature. And after watching Jesus' ministry, Peter revisits this concept later in his ministry when he writes to the church in his own epistle. And this is what we're gonna take for our text, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. We'll take this as our text this morning, and it gives us the example of Peter. It'll be on, not the screens, but the one screen. Or you can follow along in your, on your phones or in your Bible. 1 Peter 4, 7, the Bible says this. But the end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love one for another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each other has received a a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I love verse 10. I specifically like how the NLT puts it when it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. The truest expression of accepting God's love and acting on God's love is when we in turn serve others. What does it look like to use your gifts well to serve others? This morning I'm gonna talk about two truths we must live by if we are going to serve both God and others well. Love God, love others. How can we serve them both? Two truths we must live by. The first truth that I see Peter expressing to the church here is that we must live, number one, with an attitude of anticipation. We must, as Christ followers, view our lives and our journey and this discipleship pathway as a, with an attitude of anticipation. Have you ever noticed how the biblical model, I'm not talking about this morning what your religious background is. I know for me, I was born in the Northeast and there's a, a very heavy Roman Catholic influence in the Northeast. And so I have a lot of family who are steeped in Roman Catholic tradition. I'm not talking about your religious upbringing. Uh, Maybe you've been to a Christian church your whole life. Maybe you've been to a little bit of a different style of a church, but you're here, you're following Jesus, and you're like, okay, how can I learn some biblical truth? The biblical model is always we must be before we do. It is not that we should not do. Sometimes the pendulum swing is too much in Christianity and in people. It's like, oh, yeah, just show up and just love Jesus, and, and, and it'll work all work out. Well, it's true, but the love of God changes us. There's one passage that says, the love of Christ constrains me, right? It, it, it is active and, and uh, visible in my life. So scripture always teaches that we must be before you do. Look, look what, what Peter says in verse seven. But the end of all things is at hand, therefore be serious. If you wanna know, if you know me at all, if you wanna know whether or not I strive to preach the whole counsel of God, not just the parts I like, you know by me preaching the passage, be serious, because I like to have fun. Like, like I'm the guy, usually in meetings, in our staff and on campus, our staff knows that I hit about the hour mark and then I start cutting up, I start losing focus, I start, like I wasn't just built to sit in meetings all day, you know what I mean? Like give me some teenagers and a pack of dodgeballs and we're good, you know? Like we're gonna have fun, we're gonna have a good time. But here Peter says something very interesting. He says, if you want to truly live out your faith, you must be serious. Here, here's a good 21st century word for it. Be intentional. Be serious. Be intentional. Look, look at what else he says. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Have discretion. Have an awareness of what's going on in and around you. And above all things, have fervent love. Be loving. Why? For love will cover a multitude of sins. And then he says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Look at these attitude axioms that Peter challenges the church with. And I think it's important to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. 
we get it, love God, love others, serve both. Why does it matter so much that my attitude towards serving is correct before I even show up in the room, before I even show up in the table? I'll tell you why. How many of you are like me and um, you are serious about um, your diet as an American, which means you regularly pull through fast food establishments? You know what I mean? Like, like you are living the American dream, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I regularly do that. I minister a lot of times to teenagers. Sunday night, we'll be back here tonight for the Ascent. And rarely do I get home before 10 or, or 11 on Sunday nights, and I love it. I get to invest and, and relationally build um, connections with people, and so I enjoy doing it. And then usually on, on my way home, I'm like, man, I've ministered hard. I'm gonna go get something healthy for myself. And so I swing through the famous health food establishment known as Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> Because there's one close to my close to my house. How many of you? How many? Let's hear some love for Taco Bell. Where, where are my Taco Bell lovers at? Right. Um, how many of you know? If you live close in the area, they just built on Blue Diamond and just past Decatur. They just built a brand new Wendy's. Where are my Where are my any Wendy's? I grew up on Wendy's. Um, I'll, I'll tell you all a secret. I grew up on Wendy's. I grew up in the Northeast. Then I moved to the South. In the South, they have a lot of like country preachers. You know what I mean? And so we'd go to camp meetings, all that. I heard one preacher say one time, bless God, we've got too many Burger King Christians. Have it your way. What we need are Wendy's Christians. Old fashioned, hot and juicy. Amen. So if you get nothing else, know that Wendy's is spiritual, right? There, there's, there's a spiritual truth in there somewhere. Okay. So I love Wendy's. Now, um, I don't know what your favorite is. I love, we moved from Texas, moved to um, in and out or moved to in and out. We moved, we live at in and out. I moved to Las Vegas and I love me some in and out, right? How many of you love some in and out? Let's go, right? Uh, Raising Cane's, that makes the top, the, the top list there for me. Chick-fil-A, yeah, come on now, come on. At any fast food establishment, if you go through the drive-thru, you always check the bag before you go home. You don't have to do that at Chick-fil-A for two reasons. Number one, they will get your order right. Number two, if they don't, it is God's will whatever's in that bag for you, okay? So you can just trust you ordered and you ordered wrong and God, God helped you out, okay? So we, we pulled through fast food restaurants, right? How many of you ever pulled up to a fast food restaurant and as you do so, the line is like 30 cars long? Anybody ever done that? And you have this crucial moment where you're like, is it worth it, right? And so you're the last person in line, 30 cars deep, you're like, ah, I don't know, there's no one behind me, I can just back out and, and not make this terrible mistake that I'm about to make. And then a car pulls in behind you and you're like, I don't know, and then the line moves a little bit and you're like, there is hope in Jesus, you know? And so you're like, I'm gonna be able to make it through, right? But you pull in, uh, we finished our fireworks booth and I was pulling through Wendy's um, the other day at, at the new one. And not only does Wendy's have chocolate and vanilla Frosties, <sighs> somebody witnessed to me, they just added strawberry Frosties. Come on now, that'll change your life. I'm telling you. Um, dip those fries in there. Anyway, so I'm pulling through, and I'm like, let's do it. And I pull into a Wendy's, and no joke, the line was at least 20, maybe 25 cars long. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, I'm so disappointed. Why am I disappointed when I pull up to a fast food restaurant, and the line is long? Or when I order from a fast food restaurant, and they get my order wrong. I'll tell you why, two, two reasons. There's a conscious and a subconscious reason. The subconscious reason is I'm going to fast food, right? So, and this is just an American mindset. I'm not saying this is wrong when it comes to a fast food. I, I expect it to be kind of quick, you know what I mean? I know the nutritional value of what I'm getting and it ain't a whole lot. So it probably doesn't take you long to, to get it together, right? So when you pull through to a fast food restaurant, you're like, there's this subconscious expectation of this should be pretty quick, right? And so when you pull up in this line, you're like, oh man, I'm not, I'm not getting what I thought I was getting. Secondly, I am paying for 
something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm paying for food. So I have a subconscious expectation. I hope it's quick. And then I have a conscious expectation. I know what I'm getting. It's kind of like when you go to Walmart, no, no hate against Walmart, nothing but love for Walmart, but you know what you're getting. You know what I mean? You're getting self-checkout and you're get, it, just, it just is what it is, right? You know what you're getting. My fear is that too many of us show up to our Christian life, our discipleship journey, our church with a fast food mentality. We want it to be quick. We don't want to take a whole lot of effort. And we hope we get something out of it because after all, we are the consumer, right? And man, too many times I show up to my faith and I show up to an opportunity to serve and I walk away and I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if that worked. I don't know if I should keep doing this. I don't know if I should, why? Because the emphasis is not on the fact that I serve. The emphasis is on what am I getting out of this? By the way, I'm not just, I'm not just preaching against modern Christianity and the American church. The disciples had this issue as well. If you look at Matthew 25, one of two disciples are together and their mom goes to Jesus and is like, hey, which one's gonna sit in your right hand, your left hand? And this is Jesus' response. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Watch this. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. Why does this matter that I show up with an attitude of an anticipation, an attitude of, God, you will use this to magnify your, game, your, your name. God, you will use this as a breakthrough in someone else's life. Why does it matter that my heart posture as I come to serve is an attitude of, God, I don't know what you're gonna do, but I'm trusting you to do it. Why does it matter? It matters because I need to make sure that I be before I do. It matters because Jesus said, but among you, it will be different. So can I ask you a question? What is your attitude towards those you work with? Is it just, I'm gonna climb the corporate ladder and I'm gonna, doesn't matter who I, who I push down on, on my way up, I'm just gonna get ahead in life. I'm not talking about working hard. I'm not talking about being diligent. I'm not talking about staying late. I'm talking your attitude towards those you work with. How about this? What is your attitude towards those you live with? What is your attitude towards those who wait on your table or pour your coffee or sit in front of you at the light and even when it turns green, they wait about five seconds before seeing it? <laughs> what, what's our attitude when we show up to life, when the sun comes up and we're like, all right, cool. Is it what will I get out of this or is it a Jesus attitude of, I came not to be served, but to serve? You see, the self-centered person will end up being, even if they don't have negative intentions, when you only focus on yourself, they'll end up being manipulative. That means they'll just say what they need to to get what they want, and the serving per person is honest with their deeds and their words. The self-centered person is verbally combative. They look for an opportunity to use their word sharply, but the serving person is approachable and peaceful because they understand that love covers a multitude of sins. The self-centered person is conceited and malicious. They can't admit when they're wrong, and they hold grudges and struggle to forgive, but the serving person is humble and gentle. They're willing to admit and move past faults and failures. The self-centered person is gossipy. There, there's a great um, King James word here that says, a talebearer revealeth secrets, right? They go around and tell stories about people. And every time that story changes a little bit and gets a little bit more malicious and paints them in a better light and this person in a worse light. But a serving person is someone who is safe. You can be open and honest and vulnerable with this person 
and know that they will genuinely pray for you and that they will genuinely lift you up. What's our attitude when we show up to this table to serve? There was a missions relief organization and they had gone to a uh, area where there was a natural disaster and so they showed up with all their relief um, abilities and their, their huge um, uh, deliveries and, and trucks and all these things. They show up and they, they kind of set up camp. They did one tent on one side and one tent on the other side and the first tent was where people could come and get food because they'd lost just about everything. They didn't have money. They didn't have means to get food. And so they showed up to um, get the food at the first tent. And then to kind of make it organized, they moved them from that first tent. And they said, hey, go, go over here. You can get your food and your supplies. And then go over here to this other tent, and they're going to give you some gospel literature, and they're going to share the truth about Jesus with you. It's a great system. They were moving people through it. And one lady showed up, and she very humbly reached out her hands. They gave her uh, her food and some rice and some different things, some food to take with her. They gave her some provisions, some blankets and all that. And they said, hey, if you'll go right over here, they'll tell you about Jesus and they'll tell you about the gospel. And the lady just shook her head. And she said, no, no, this is just how we got set up. And she said, I know. She said, but I want the gospel from the person who gave me the food. And church, I think what happens a lot of times is we think it's just our words that matter that we post online. It's our words that matter as we try to invite someone to church. And all those things matter. But if you're not first meeting people's needs, it said about Jesus, it said that Jesus went about doing good and healing. I think a lot of times the church is like, oh yeah, perfect. Age of miracles, it's all good. Jesus could heal. We're not as much into that anymore. So Lord, you take care of it. But let me ask you this. How many of you have watched someone who has been just pushed the side and forgotten by life and people come around them and people build them up and people lift them up and the healing process begins? I think too many, too many times the church neglects its place of helping people heal because we're so busy on, well, it's not just my actions, it's the words that I say. And why? Because I think we don't show up with an attitude of an anticipation for what God might do. Once we begin to develop our attitude of anticipation to see how God might want to use our gifts well, we must simply then endeavor to grow, first, our attitude of anticipation, but secondly, in our aptitude for availability. Once you decide, hey, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just anticipate God's gonna do something, I'm gonna wake up in the morning and instead of it being a me first mentality, a what am I getting out of this mentality, I'm gonna say, all right, Jesus, how can I serve you? Once you've asked the question how, then you ask the question where. All right, Jesus, where? Where do you want me to show up? Your aptitude for availability, look at what Peter goes on to say, 1 Peter 4, as each one has received a gift, Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Minister it to one another. What does it mean? Who, who am I supposed to be ministering to? One person said this, the greatest ability in the world is availability. I think sometimes we focus on what is my gifting? Okay, now I'll plug in. And I think more often Jesus says, if you'll just show up, if you'll just plug in, I will help you develop your gift so that you can continue to serve. I am all for, you may have a unique gifting. I'll tell you one of my non-giftings, okay? One of my non-giftings is musical ability and worship. <laughs> now, I love to sing. I, I, I love to worship. And if you stand by me in the crowd, you might have to move a couple chairs over because I'm gonna belt it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna sing whether you like it or not. But I know that's not my gifting, so I'm not up here on Sunday like, hey, Pastor Jason, you need someone to play the keys today? <laughs> Holy Spirit, help. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not my gifting. You may feel that way about teenagers. I don't know. 
You may be like, they're from a different planet. <laughs> I don't even understand them. I don't know. Maybe you feel that way about the really young ones. Maybe you feel that way about a different age group. I don't know what your gifting is. Maybe you already know some of your giftings. What I'm saying is too often we sit back and try to finesse something instead of leaning forward and just saying, hey, I'm available. Hey, God, I, I'm, I'm here. What do you need help with? What direction are you leading me? What, how, how are you asking me to step up to the plate? By the way, again, it wasn't just us. Somebody walked up to Jesus and asked him this question. And it says in context that he was trying to help him or, or that he was trying to make him to stumble. He's, it's a lawyer and he's trying to get him to kind of mess up a little bit. We'll skip all that. But he comes to Jesus in Luke 10 and says this, and who is my neighbor? Jesus tells him a story. Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Maybe the priest showed up and thought, man, I've had a long, tough day. I just swung through Wendy's and the line was way too long and now I'm not gonna help this guy. I don't know the reasons that the priest didn't help him, but I know that either way, he decided, man, I'm gonna pass through on the other side. Maybe he said, that's not my gifting. I already have a ministry in the church. I'm the priest. And so that's not my job. Then after the priest, a Levite came by and he also had a church job. He was a Levite. And I think it's really important to notice that Jesus here is making a point. Both people were religious people. Both the people he described had positions of service. But watch this, Jesus said, but they don't have an attitude of me gonna break through for them and they don't have an aptitude for availability. And then Jesus tells about this third guy. What was, what was he? The good Samaritan. And this third guy comes up and pours uh, oil in his uh, wounds and, and cleanses them first then takes him to the innkeeper and pays the price to get him taken care of and takes care of him and then says, anything he charges you more, I will do. And then Jesus flips the question. Instead of asking who is my neighbor? Jesus asked the question, who was neighborly? The Pharisees said, okay, well, well, who am I supposed to minister to? And Jesus said, who is the one that's acting like a neighbor in the story? And we all know the application, so I think it's fair to ask ourselves this question. As I follow Jesus, am I following him in such a way that I live my life neighborly? Am I following him in such a way that I am just simply love and Jesus to those I come in contact with. You say, okay, well, I don't know where to start. Here's where you start. You just show up. We have groups come through all the time that say, hey, how are we serving? I'm, I'm gonna talk about one in just a little bit. I'm gonna talk about the Las Vegas Rescue Mission and tell you a story and we'll be done. But this morning we have the Women's Medical Resource Center with us. They're always asking, hey, we need some volunteers for this. Hey, we need someone to, to give to this. Maybe you are busy. Maybe God has blessed your efforts. Maybe you've lived by Proverbs principles and God has blessed you financially and you're in a, a place, a, a season of your life where you're like, God, you've been so good to me. And maybe this morning, the message you need to hear is, how can I give back? Who else can I give to? We have a group with us this morning, the Women's Medical Resource Center, that what moves the needle for them are people being willing to sacrifice and give to them, not just of their time, but also of their talent, also of their money, also of what they have earned. That's what helps move organizations along. We also, uh, j just this last Saturday, we were coming back from camp and I saw different people's stories. A whole group of people cleared half the back of the auditorium, moved chairs and met for a little group called Operation Christmas Child. 
and they box these shoe boxes and they're getting ready to send gifts out later in the season to children who will not get a Christmas gift otherwise. And every single box has the gospel witness in it. I think sometimes we just think, well, I've got this one area that I serve. I'm just kind of hanging out here. And God's showing up saying, hey, where can you serve? In two weeks, we've got a vacation Bible school program. That's a great place to just plug in and have community kids come in and you're just like, hey, I'm just gonna give back. I'm just gonna love on someone. I'm just gonna be available to them. I like what Paul Hathaway said in his book, quoting Oswald Chambers. He said this, if you give God the right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you and God's experiments always succeed. I think for the church, too often we think we have to be perfected in, well, this is how I serve, or you get people up here who are so talented, and you're like, oh man, they're so talented, they're serving that way. I don't know what I can do. When reality, Jesus is just saying, hey, who will show up? And by the way, that's not just in this one moment in the story of the Good Samaritan. In Genesis 22, 11, the Bible says, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. In Genesis 46, 2, the Bible says that God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, same man, and he said, here I am. In Exodus 3, 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. In 1 Samuel 3, 4, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. In Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then he said, here am I, send me. In Acts 9, 10, now there's a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And he sent him to Saul, one of the baddest dudes in the time, and he was gonna bind him up and do it. And what I find over and over again in the scripture is that it's not so much the talent you bring to the table as your willingness to just show up, as your availability. You saying, all right, Lord, where can I plug in and where can I serve? I'll give you this story and, and then we'll be done. I believe with all my heart that we should not just do this as a church, but we should teach the next generation to do it. So uh, what we've done as a youth ministry, now COVID has kind of put a halt on this and this is just opening back up. So this is another place you can plug in. What we've done as a youth ministry is every November, it's Thanksgiving season, it's a great time to give back. The holidays are coming up. We take our youth ministry and we go down to the Las Vegas Rescue Mission. It's been a couple years since we've done it, again, because of COVID, but we go down there. How many of you have ever served at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission? You've served a meal all across the outdoor room. You've served a meal, you've done it. If you haven't, I would encourage you, just try it. I know life is busy, and I know it's easy to be like, oh, man, I don't know how I can fit this in, but we'd put one date on the calendar, and we'd go down there and take our youth ministry down there, and we'd serve. And there was this one instance a couple years ago that we showed up, we're loading up all the vans, and we're on our way to go serve, and we had a young man in our group named Noah. And uh, Noah was just a winsome young man. He was a young man who was always bringing a friend with him. He played basketball for his school and was good. Sometimes I'll hang out on Sunday nights afterwards and I'll play some basketball. If Noah was playing, I'll be like, guys, I don't think I can make it tonight. I just didn't want him to break my ankles. You know what I mean? Uh, so can't make it tonight. So Noah would always bring a friend. He was always bringing something with him. He's on the back row in the center. And then right behind him is, a, is another really, really tall student. And his name was Desmond. And Noah had started to bring his friend Desmond, and I didn't know a whole lot about Desmond. He was always very kind, very polite. I talked to him, and he was also like 6'7", you know what I mean? So he, he was hard to miss, tall, skinny, just lovable kid. And so he started bringing Desmond a little bit, and they showed up that night for the activity, heading to the Las Vegas Rescue Mission to serve. 
And so we piled in the van and uh, we drove up there and we got to the place. And as we drove on the campus, I don't know if you've done it before, but it's all gated. There's uh, homeless people li living all around. By the way, let me just stop and say this. I don't know if you're aware. Sometimes it's easy to just be in our lane and I do this, but I don't know if you're aware of where our state and where our city and where our uh, community ranks in this area. As of March, 2022 in Clark County, local officials estimate that 1.8% of the population, so about 35,000 residents, are homeless. Some sleep in shelters, but most sleep on the streets. In Nevada, there's a rising trend specifically of homeless youth. About 10% of our homeless population are youth, individuals under the age of 18. So that's about 3,500 students, teenagers, young people living on the streets. Our state, Nevada, ranks fourth in the nation in total number of unaccompanied homeless youth. We're the fourth highest in the nation. Our state ranks first in the nation in rates of unsheltered unaccompanied homeless youth. That just basically means unaccompanied youth are kids that are on the streets, but maybe they find a place to sleep at night. Unsheltered unaccompanied youth, we're first in the nation on. That means kids who are sleeping on the street. This is the community that we live in. It is a fair question as the church to stop and ask ourselves, are we actually loving others by serving our community? That's a fair question to ask ourselves. And so we showed up at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission and we're, we're there, we're like, we're gonna have a good time, you know what I mean? So basically what they do is they put you behind the bar and then, then you serve all the food. Thankfully, we didn't cook it all. I don't think very many people wanna eat food cooked by you know, 30 teenagers <laughs> or whatever. So they cook it all and, and we show up and we're serving there, we're doing all that. And as we pull on campus, we park and we all get out of the van, well, we all get out. Desmond like unfolds, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause he's like seven feet tall or whatever. And so I noticed, I was just kind of standing off the side and, and Desmond's standing there. And I noticed Desmond kind of look at, look at some people who were kind of standing over and there's, there's homeless people kind of walking all around and we're just saying, hello, how are you? And he kind of looks at, and, and it's a, it's a middle-aged woman, pro probably a mom. And she has a little girl beside her. So I'm just kind of observing it and Desmond kind of looks over there and before I know it, Desmond is striding towards these two people. And Noah walks along with him and he doesn't really know what's going on and Desmond gets over there and as he gets closer, the, the lady kind of turns around, knows someone's walking up, kind of turns around as she does, her face comes in full view and I saw the moment that she sees Desmond walking towards her and I see her recognize him and I see tears begin to pour from her eyes. And Desmond walks over and leans down and gives her a big hug and says, hi, mom, how are you doing? And I had no idea that night that we were about to load up a bunch of teenagers, one of which his mom was on the streets. His mom didn't have a place to sleep that night with his little sister. Desmond had no idea that his mom was even there. He hadn't seen her in weeks. I found out later, the family that he came with, I found out later, they didn't even realize he was homeless at the time. He said, yeah, you know what? I just kind of want to sleep over. Can I sleep over? And he kept extending that. And they were very generous with their home and with their food and all those things. They had no idea his family was homeless. Desmond gives her a big old hug. I had no idea when we left the church that night that not only were we about to feed homeless individuals who have incredible value in the eyes of God, just like you and me, but we were about to feed one of our students' moms who had nowhere to sleep, and no food in her belly for her and for her young daughter. And it's like in that moment, I, I'm looking at this take place, I'm like, God, this is incredible. And it's like in that moment, God leaned over and said, that's just one of the many stories that you could be a part of if you lean forward and just gave 
if you just said, I'm available. Church, I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what season of life you're in. I'm not gonna try and force a square peg into a round hole. What I am gonna say is, if we follow Jesus, we are called to use our gifts to serve others. It's a fair question as a church to say, how well am I serving my community? How well am I showing up? How well am I making up that gap? Maybe for you, it's the Las Vegas Rescue Mission. Maybe for you, it's the Women's Resource Medical Center. Maybe for you, it's Operation Christmas Child. Maybe for you, it's a neighbor. Maybe for you, it's someone you know. But wherever it is, one of the other things I do is I serve over here at Desert Oasis High School with some of our students, and I show up for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You say, oh, cool, Pastor Caleb. Are you an athlete? No, I'm a 33-year-old youth pastor who brings 20 pizzas with him (laughs) and says, hey, come with me. You'll get pizza and eternal life. Just kidding, okay. Uh, But I show up. Why? Because there are students who are hungry, not just physically, but spiritually. We have a community, we have a valley, and I'm here to tell you, I've only lived here four years, and I'm working on my 12th year of ministry, but, but I'm here to tell you this, listen to me, there is a unique opportunity in Las Vegas for the gospel. Everybody outside knows it's a sin city. Would to God this be the, be the place that's renamed Grace City, because the Christians in it just wrap their arms of love around people and bring them to Jesus by giving them food and shelter and clothing and by giving them the gospel. My prayer is that when there is a, a, a opening, when there is a break, when there is a gap, and God leans over and says, who will I send? Who will go for us? That Southern Hills Church steps up to the plate and says, hey, I'm available. God, I'll bring an attitude of expectancy. I'll, I'll expect you to do something. I don't know how you can use me, but I'm here. I'm available, and I'll show up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for the truth from your word. God, I I need the reminder. I need the sharpening on a regular basis of not just making sure that I'm sharing the gospel verbally, but God, that I'm living it out, that I am your hands and feet. God, I pray this morning for for that person who says, I want to be available to do something. I think about now the, the season of life I'm in as I'm a dad. I think about my kids, and I think about how I want to teach them these principles of serving others. Lord, I I pray that we would have families, that we would have people, that we would have individuals, that we would have a church community that says, we don't just love inside these walls, but we love outside these walls. We give back, and we are here, and we're available. Lord, I pray that you would use your word, plant the seed of your word deep in our hearts. May God, may life, and may your Holy Spirit, and may our community water that so it brings forth fruit to your account. We love you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.